Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours. We're the number one live project management radio show in the U.S., broadcasting to you from the Phoenix Business Radio X studios in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, PMO Joe, and for the next hour, we'll be talking project management. I'll apologize in advance to our listeners today. I've got a bit of a cold, so if my voice is off or you hear a sneeze or a cough, you can wish me well and hope I get better soon. But we've got two great guests with us today to carry the show. Before we get into the content, also wanted to uh, mention everybody, we've got an amazing weekend coming up here in Phoenix in mid-April. April 19th, well, actually on April 18th, we have Pat's Run. Uh, for those who are familiar with the Pat Tillman story, uh, the Pat Tillman Foundation has a great fundraising event every year here in Phoenix and, and really across the U.S. where they raise uh, funds for the Pat Tillman Foundation uh, with Pat's Run. And then on April 19th, VPMMA, the Veteran Project Manager Mentoring Alliance, is having our first inaugural golf event at the Legacy Golf Club. Uh, so we would love to have people come out and golf with us. It's $95 per golfer, and that includes the event, the lunch. Um, and, of course, we're going to have a lot of fun with that and have silent auction um, and really have a good time to raise funds for VPMMA, which, of course, is the Veteran Project Manager Mentoring Alliance, where we help uh, service members, veterans, and their spouses with their transition into the civilian life as project managers. Then following on April 20th is the ASU Project Management Summit. Um, this event will bring together faculty, staff, students, uh, the ASU PM network, and then, of course, the project management community here in Phoenix to share experiences and learn about best practices and the latest technologies to celebrate teams and innovation. And uh, proud to say that two of our former guests will be keynote speakers at that event. Andy Jordan and Ruth Pierce will be on so really looking forward to hear from them and meet them in person as opposed to just over the radio wave. So it would be great to get together. So let's talk some project management. I'm really excited today. We've got Lindsay Scott joining us from the UK and Michael Donnelly here in studio. Welcome both Lindsay and Michael. Thank you, Joe. Excited to be here. Hi. Lindsay, uh, I'll let you uh, introduce yourself to our listeners first. If you mind just saying hello to everybody and telling a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm Lindsay, Lindsay Scott, and um, I'm talking to you uh, today from um, the City of Music, uh, City of New Order, the Smiths, Bee Gees. Uh, I'm based in Manchester in the UK. And um, uh, one of the things that um, I am totally passionate about is PMO, so Project Management Office, Program Management Office, Portfolio Management Office, any of the offices you can furnish it, um, <laughs> is PMO stuff. <laughs> And um, one of the things that um, I've been doing over the last mm, seven years, about seven years um, here in the UK is something called PMO Flashmob. Um, and, um, you know, so hopefully you might have seen some of the stuff that we've been doing about that. We've splashed all over social media. Um, so, yeah, so that's basically a learning and networking group where we get PMO practitioners uh, together in various parts of the UK. And, um, but also the reason why I do that, um, I used to be in, in PMO, I used to have a proper job. Um, and um, it uh, used to work at Hewlett Packard here in the UK as a uh, PMO manager. 
but left there quite a bit ago now and had a couple of businesses and one of them, you know, they're all still going, but um, one of the main ones is um, is around um, recruitment and project management uh, recruitment, especially, which is um, a company here that we've got as people and, um, and also got a training company now all around PMO stuff, which is PMO learning. So the combination is a perfect um, radio show for me if it's all about recruitment and jobs and career stuff all around project management and a bit of a project PMO type stuff too. Well, thank you for joining us. So glad to have you. And isn't uh, Boddington's out of Manchester as well? It is. It is. So I you, forget that you, you're obviously a, a beer man. Yes. An ale man. Yes, it is. So it's good it to have a, a nice Boddington's while you're listening to the Smiths, man. I, I would... <laughs> Let's do that after the show, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. And Michael Donnelly, thanks so much for coming back. A repeat guest. I love having repeat guests. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Definitely excited to be here. So I'm Michael Donnelly. My background, I've been managing enterprise initiatives and organizations for over 20 years. Um, from managing projects, programs, portfolios, and PMOs. Um, Industry-wise, come from um, technology, consulting, supply chain, and as well as um, uh, financial services. So right now, my current role, I'm with Silicon Valley Bank. I lead the business risk office in the uh, for the enterprise projects. Awesome. And also um, doing great work with VPMMA as a treasurer on our board of directors. So really appreciate the volunteer work you're doing as well and being an instrumental part in getting our golf event off the ground. So thank you so much for that work. Definitely. It's exciting and uh, love, love doing every bit of it. All right, so let's get into some topics here. And first, obviously, the name is intriguing in itself, and you touched on it a little bit with your intro, Lindsay, but share a little bit more about the PMO flash mob. I mean, we don't have this here in the U.S., so it's uh, yeah. I think it's probably unique to the U.K., and, and maybe there's some others who haven't heard of it yet. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's it has got a bit of a um, bizarre name, but it, it was done purposely because we wanted to, uh, I mean, you see lots of, you know, kind of professional networking type stuff that you can go to, you know, like PMI chapter events. And here in the UK, we have a, you know, a similar association that has those kind of um, events. Um, but I think the world has, has changed quite a bit with the, you know, having meetup type things that are a bit more informal. So that's the kind of vibe we wanted to go for, which is why it's got a bit of a strange name. But the idea is, is that obviously a flash mob is all about people just, just turn up in one place and then just, I think normally, you know, it's people doing some bizarre dancings in shopping centres and <laughs> things like that. Yeah, I want to see some project <laughs> managers doing that. <laughs> but, um, but, I mean, it, you know, it, it's, it was just trying to pick something that kind of gave it a bit of a, um, it's going to be different, you know, so people knew that, you know, you're not going to turn up on it to be quite a staid corporate event that, you know, we want to have a, a inject a bit of fun into what we're doing. And, you know, so when we first started it, it was all about meeting, you know, really old um, bars and pubs in London, you know, like, you know, like Charles Dickens here, type pubs and, you know, let's, let's just go and, drink our way around London and, and chat about PMO stuff. That's how it started back you know, seven years ago. Um, and we still do that. You know, we still do meetup in pubs and things. But um, we also do more, um, you know, kind of like lecture type things that you would normally get at a chap chapter type event. But we want, it's all about uh, with PMO people, what is important is the, um, is that time to talk to each other. And it's something that, um, but we don't tend to, I don't know your feelings on this, but when you go to a project management, project manager 
type event. There's not a lot of interaction. You know, they go to listen to a session and then they'll, they'll go home. Whereas with PMOs, they are a lot more open to knowledge share because, um, you know, the similarities are there. It's not necessarily about what projects are being delivered in their businesses. It's more about the whole structure of PMO in terms of how they're supporting projects and program delivery. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot that they can talk about without having to get into, into project details that um, are necessary. So, um, so yeah, it just gives, it allows us to, um, to do whatever we want and to talk about whatever we want and to pick whatever themes we want because it's not associated or affiliated with any other kind of professional association. So there's no agenda in terms of, you know, we must stick and talk about a particular body of knowledge. We, we can talk about and do, you know, go into anything that we want to really. So, yeah, it's all about having a, you know, a, di- a different vibe and a different approach to this because we're very mindful of, you know, within, there's a lot of different generations now in the workplace and we want to be able, you know, the people that are at the younger end of uh, the career and, and stuff to be able to come together with senior people because that's where you know there's a great lot of you know learning goes on when you get those kind of people together and and to do that is um they needed to know that it was an environment that yeah it's going to be different so be prepared <laughs> so Lindsay, i, I like I, I just love the whole concept because i think it's just really engaging and that's what i miss at some of the some of the meetings where it's just a one-way dialogue people reading from slides maybe you have some engagement afterwards in a networking event but i'm what i'm envisioning here and especially at a pub where you're just you're having a few drinks and you're just really talking about what really matters um so this whole concept just is just really uh, exciting for me i'm curious how people got really into the whole like the the whole idea of going and networking is that it fills a lot of people with dread because there's there's, you know there's this there's an expected way that people would walk into a room and start networking and and a lot of people just just they hate that idea so it was you know we wanted to choose something that where people could turn up and feel welcomed you know and not to feel like there's a certain way of networking it's just look just come somebody's gonna say hello and put a drink in your hand and let's get on with it but yeah <laughs> sure so how do, how do the topics come about who decides what or is this it's like is this part of the the whole discovery process or how, how does that work um it, it comes a lot of the time from the conversations that people are having um you know and then obviously there are external kind of factors so you know what's What's been a big one over the last, uh, what we know is 2020, oh my goodness, uh, and the last four years, is uh, the whole agile conversation has been a big one because, you know, obviously it's, it's, it's come out and there's been, you know, there's a lot of organisations are picking it up and doing things, um, you know, in terms of their agile approaches and all this kind of stuff. So that was obviously one that people were saying, look, you know, what does the PMO do to support Agile and also kind of hybrid, you know, waterfall and, and, and agile projects together. And we were having those kind of conversations. And we thought, well, that's a natural one. We need to find somebody who's got some answers. So we'll drag that person into the next one and just say, look, can you please just come along and talk to us and tell us, you know, what, what your feelings and your thoughts and your insights are about something. So that's generally how it happens. Um, I, it'll come from the people that are there. And I will, if I come up with an idea, um, I'll run it by them on a, a one of the flash mobs and say look i'm thinking about doing this one a future one or do you think is it good is it would you come along to that is it something that's you know a particular challenge for you right now um and yes it's we just tend to do it like that it's just kind of organic i think the word is yeah 
Uh, do you have it outside the UK or is it uh, really just been locally and run and initiated by you? Or is there anybody else picking up with this concept and taking it into other countries as well? Um, I, I often get people getting in touch saying, can we do a flash mob? I mean, it's, you can do it. I mean, anybody can do it. The concept's not difficult. It's just, you know, I think the, the rise of uh, websites like uh, Meetup, for example, um, allow you to put on any kind of gathering. I mean, that's what, you know, that's what the way that people should be looking at it is. It's a gathering. And I think one of the things that puts a lot of people off when I say to them, like, you know, well, we'll go for it. All you've got to do is is put it out there. We're so connected now with social media and, and what have you. But, you know, if you put a call out and said, is anybody interested in meeting up and having a chat about X and Y and Z, you know, that's how we, you, you get started. And I think people expect it to be a like a franchise or something like that. And it's it's not. It really um, does rely on the energy of me. You know, it is a very much, you know, if I was tomorrow to say, oh, I can't be doing this anymore, I, I dread to think what will happen. I don't think it's probably got that sustainability. I, I, I might be doing it a disservice. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're predominantly just focused on the, the UK because there's so much to to do here. But we did try it in San Francisco a few years ago. Because we were out that way for the um, PMI PMO symposium that was down in San Diego. We went on a bit of a road trip and thought, let's just put something out on social media and see if anybody turns up in this bar in San Francisco. Uh, nobody did. Oh, boy. <laughs> <clears throat> well, that's unfortunate. It is. But I love the idea how you've taken a concept just of an informal gathering and, and had it now for seven years running. It's fantastic. Yeah. So just... Yeah. One thought, though, for maybe some of the PMI chapter presidents that are trying to think about how to mix it up and get more engagement, what advice would you offer them on just how to get one going using some of the tools that you just talked about? But but how else would you really just get started if, if you're one of those chapter leaders there and you wanted to get more engagement? Yeah, I think, well, like I said, I think people jump straight into thinking that we need to have some kind of formal thing. So we need a space, we need chairs, we need a presenter, we need something for people to eat, we need this, this and this. And actually, you know, I think it's it's taken note out of the, this, the generation now that are like, you know, the, the young young tech type people that will be, you know, they, they just appear, don't they? They just, oh, we can do these, these things wherever we want to do them. And here in the UK... Uh, there's a group that I really love. Um, the the concept of it is is um, agile in the park, and what they do at lunchtime in a, a park in London is just literally congregate around a park bench, <laughs> and they do some. Um, they just they gather and they start talking about you know it's very agile focus. Um, you know, and I think for chapter events, I think it's because it's got a bit of a we've been doing it this way forever. You know what I mean? It's 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 very difficult to try and shake it up, but um, they need to try because I think the you know the younger generation are looking for something a little bit different, a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more collaborative. Not necessarily coming in and listening to a presentation and 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 away you go. You know, and there's lots of different different things that that people can be doing. I mean, there's there's a book that I really loved, which. And oh, the, the author is going to escape me right now, but it's called The Art of the Gathering. And that is a lovely book in terms of the way that people can come together in different kinds of environments. And I think sometimes um, with, with professional bodies like PMI, we need to take a leaf out of the book of 
let's just experiment. Let's have a bit of a play. Don't worry about failure. You know, you're all those things that you, we're hearing now in project management land. Um, and I think that's probably what's required is a bit of experimentation and not be scared about putting a little bit of fun, dare I say it, into project management. Because, you know, why not? We we spend all our, our, a lot of the time at work. Why can we not bring a bit of fun into some of this stuff? Yeah, we had former guest Roger Haskett on, and Roger talked about the art of play and the power of play, and, and how we as we grow, we all grow up playing, right, as children, and then when we become adults, it, it all goes away. But yeah. there's so many benefits to play, and that's a he works with organizations, of course, helping them uh, bring play into their environment to get benefit from that. Right, it's not just a waste of time. It's there's creativity that comes out of that. There's a lot of uh, benefit with that. And I think the the power of play is what you guys have done with the flash mob. I think it's fantastic that you've been able to take that and keep it going for so long. And just the informal gathering, right? It, you, you make friends at informal gatherings. You make colleagues at professional events. And I'd rather uh, mingle with my friends than my colleagues. Um, so I, I salute the work you've done with that, Lindsay. Great job. Thank you very much. Lovely. Thank you. So we'll switch up a little bit, uh, but we probably won't veer too far off that. If we go back to um, kind of the, the thought process on hiring PMs and recruiting and all that, Michael, you've been a manager, leader of PMOs before. Mm-hmm. How do we, how do you find the right people to bring into your team? Great question. Great question. Um, so when I'm posting a position, we're going to get lots of resumes, lots of um, applicants, and my advice, if you're if you're trying to get into the, um, the profession, or if you're trying to look at your next chapter, um, first thing I recommend: spend a hundred dollars, invest in a resume uh, writing service, LinkedIn service. Um, it's just it's amazing some of the resumes that I, that I've seen that uh, unfortunately just don't get the attention that that they deserve. But I know that there's something there. But it, it's just something that's so quick to to really just bring in to tell your story, tell your brand. Um, and then from there, it's, you know, definitely practicing on the, on the interview techniques. Uh, unfortunately, there's so many applicants that I think that they do have a powerful story. That just be able to convey it just gets lost in the shuffle and they just don't stand out from, from those, those others. And what would be, you mentioned not standing out, right? And that's the ultimate goal. And, and before you get your interview, you've, you're really represented by a piece of paper. So how, how do we get that resume to be in shape to the point that it stands out? So some of the things that, that I really look for when describing your, your project management experience, when you're listing your accomplishments, make sure that they're actually accomplishments. Quantify them. Many times people will just list out their tasks and they list out what their, what their day-to-day tasks are. Well, that's a pretty generic description. You can list that under your project management du- duties, but really highlight what did you really bring? What did you really sell? What did you solve? Talk about the, your toolkit, um, if you, especially if you summarize some of your, your major strengths, reinforce that in your accomplishments. Show what you really did and, and what value did you actually bring to the, to the table there. Um, so many times I, I just see the, the qualitative. I don't see the quantitative. Oftentimes it's really generic. I think that people are just playing the numbers game and they're, they're not really catering or, or tailoring their resume to the position. The job description that I write up, it's going to be specific to what I'm looking for. So show how did you solve those problems that I'm, that I'm looking for. So those are just a few things. I know, Lindsay, you've done a lot of hiring and um, some of your services. Yeah. Anything else to, to add there? Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, um, it's one of those, because um, we call it a key achievement 
on resumes here in the in the UK. So it's just interesting, just even just the fact that you call them something slightly different. But it's the same thing, and they really struggle with it because you're. Um, it's how do you differentiate between a, a real key achievement and just something you would be doing in the day job? So the classic for project managers is that you completed it on time within budget and blah blah blah. blah. And it's like, well, no, that's not a key achievement. That's just doing the job. That's what's actually expected in the project manager. And what you're trying to pull out are things that are really, that demonstrate over and above. And you're right in that a lot of people really struggle to put quantitative kind of data into those statements, which is that, you know, that you saved X amount of pounds, you generated X amount of pounds, all of that kind of stuff. Um, And one of the things we've always said to people when you're trying to write them is to just keep saying to yourself when you've written it, so what? So what? You know, why would anybody look at this and just, you know, think you've got to be able to look at it and say, wow, yeah, I can really see that you brought something else over and above. Um, you know the, what's actually expected of as a professional project manager these days. So, um, and, and to be fair, a lot of the time um, people really struggle uh, to the point where we'll just leave them out. <laughs> <laughs> no, the reason you know? why that is just so powerful. The reason why I really honed in on that and I loved what you just said there is because that's what I'm looking for in a project manager. If I'm leading a PMO organization, I need someone to be able to tell the story that executives, all practitioners, everyone can understand that. So what? So if there's an issue. What does that mean, right? Oftentimes, I might hear people talk about, oh, it's going to be increasing our schedule. There's going to be a data quality impact. Again, what, what does that mean? Give me, give me something that, that's tenure. Are, are you talking about a $100,000 impact, a million dollar impact, what? So just yeah. to be able to just tell that story with that so what is, is so vital. Well, and I think the interesting part of that is how we train our project managers is we don't train them that way, right? We train them about on schedule. We train them on budget, uh, we train them on tasks, but we don't train them on value and impact, Absolutely. right? Because everything, the certification is on, do you know how to operate the PMBOK, right? It's, it's not, do you know how to add value to your organization? And so when people put their resume together, they're usually talking about what they got trained on. That leaves a little bit of a void. Absolutely. That's where the accomplishments can come in. You can really tell your story and tell what you saw there and... and we look for for that, so we can't emphasize that enough. I think um, a really good one that, um, and, and is often a, a really great conversation starter, is that the, if you do them really well, the key achievements, they're almost like story points that will get put up in the interview. So in some ways, you've got some control over what you can expect to be talking about in the interview, because you've, if you've written a great key achievement, how could an interviewer not pick that up? And, you know, so therefore you're in that seat there to, to kind of control how you want that play that story to play out. But we've often talked about a particular key achievement, and I want to get your, uh, your input from this. Do you think it's a good key achievement to write that you're a great troubleshooter, that you're one of these guys that comes in and, and turns around a failing project, you know, that you become a... Um, Often it's you know a hero, project manager, or whatever. Do you think that's a good one to have a, a key achievement or not? I think it depends on the brand that you're trying to promote. I think it many times it it it, it can easily reinforce some of your major strengths on, on creative problem solving or how did you get the team to to solve this problem. So. Um, so emphasizing some of those those attributes in turning projects around, absolutely yeah. essential. 
and you want to definitely play to your strengths and show the brand that you're promoting there. And what what do you bring as a project manager? Um, so using those words to to show how you how you were solving the complex problems, absolutely. What, what do you think, Joe? Yeah, I think uh, you know I'm I'm putting myself in the seat of the interviewer, and if I saw that, how would I think? And and I'd go to if it's if it's listed too much on there, I'd wonder why are you always tra- saving projects? Are you the one that's causing the projects to go off the rails? And if if it's just a one off line item that it's not you know every you know save that project, save that project, save that project, then I think yeah, to your point, Michael, you're talking about strengths of being able to problem solve, be able to communicate up, be able to save something that wasn't going well, I would view it as a strength and, and certainly as a key achievement. What do you, what do you think, Lindsay? I, I agree with what you've just said. That the other thing is, though, is, is the other side of it is, is, is this person a bit of a maverick? And actually, do they go around and start in the buyers in order to be able to put them out? You know what I mean? It's that kind of double the other side to it. And... Um, and again, it's it's not going to be uh, the right kind of project manager for certain organisations that you know people just want to, like you've described, a safe pair of hands that are just focused on you know delivering to schedule and all that kind of stuff. But I think what we've what we're finding as projects are getting more and more complex, you know, I think you're finding a, a kind of it's kind of like a, a hierarchy of project managers that are coming out because you've got the projects that are classed to be quite low risk, not particularly complicated. And and those project managers that are doing it by the book say, you know, great, you're in the right, you're in the right place. However, when there's the projects are a lot more risky and the solution is a lot more complex and complicated. And, you know, I, I think it needs a different type of project manager that is, you know, somebody that has been around the block a few times that, yes, we know, you know, that there's the, the formal education of project management. We get that. However, you know, this is how we're really delivering projects when there is no precedence because, you know, sitting there sorting out the Gantt chart is just not going to cut it because, you know, it's it requires a lot more. And I think when, it's, when you've got those kind of, uh, organizations that are really up against it yeah they, they probably do want that person that is a uh, um who's going to come in and troubleshoot so yeah again it, it depends isn't it but the difficulty with this is that from a practitioner point of view you only write one resume so how can you expect that one resume to talk to lots of different types of organisations who have got lots of different views about what a project manager is, what it isn't, um, and be able to try and, um, you know, have your resume in front of them but that is saying all the right kind of things. It's, it, it annoys me <laughs> so much that the resume is still the be-all and end-all. And we're now in 2020 and we've still not managed to crack. How can we do this? Differently, you know, it's we, we see things like um, video interviews and you know, like video resumes that people are t- you know talking to cameras. I've seen things where um, the CV is completely devoid of any kind of personal details, including the person's name, location, anything like that, to get rid of um, buyers, you know, that people have in that in the recruitment process. Um, people that are using just kind of like. Um, infographical type resumes 
because actually you only want to know the facts of what I've done rather than the nuances. Um, and it doesn't necessarily work for project management because we know it's all a bit like, you know, here's a tech and then there's the art, the, it's the art and science bit. And we know that we can't get that, that art bit on to, on that piece of paper. It's just not possible. Um, but yeah, we're, we're still here, aren't we, with a piece of paper? <laughs> Crazy. Yeah, well, I, I, a couple of things that you said that, that kind of resonate with me. Um, so one, I would just say, you don't have to have just one resume. Tailor it. Have, have multiple depending on which, which you're going to, especially if you're going to a more innovative com- country, um, company. By all means, try something new. When you talk about the art and science, that really hits home with me because that's actually what I look for in the interview. I spend little time on the science because I think PMI has done a really good job perfecting the science of it, but I'm really more interested in, in the art in terms of your stakeholder management, your influencing, your emotional intelligence. Um, how do you really motivate a team? How do you bring that team together? Right? Those things aren't really prescribed really well with PMI, but that to me is, if it's the evolving project manager, that's the story that I want to hear. So how are you demonstrating that? And, and that's what I want to get at in the, in the interview. And, and I think the resume does a great job to get your foot in the door, but how you sell yourself in that interview um, is, is really the deal breaker there. So that, those are just some, some tidbits that I would recommend if you're, again, just starting to try to get into the profession or you're looking for that next chapter, really look for how do you, how do you bring that, the softer skills to the table and your leadership? How does that really shine? You could argue, though, to be fair, say with PMI, you, you brought them up, um, that um, why, why should they go into the, the art side? Because actually there's already a ton of management stuff out there. So you could say that PMI have, have, have done really well around the science of project in that title, but the manager side of that title, we don't need to get that from PMI. We can get it from a lot of different sources. And I think we, in my experiences in being in the recruitment field for so long, is that when you've got people that are looking to get into project management, they're always focused on that project side. And I think that is the problem, is that a lot of people forget it is a manager role. Yeah, so there's an expectation that you understand management theory and management approaches. And do you know, do you know what I mean? You can see where, see where I'm going with it. Oh, absolutely, and and I can, and I think we're kind of transitioning the same thing in that it's the profession is really looking at that that package, whether that comes from PMI or whatever. It, you want to be make sure that you demonstrate that management side, that leadership side. Um, it's not just because you have a PMP credential. It's not just about managing scope, schedule, budget, but you have all these other elements that go into managing a project these days, and it gets more complex, especially when you have um, so many competing interests within the organization and so many just different stakeholders that want different things. So you have to be able to really channel a lot of that, that art there. So how you bring that to the table um, is going to be really, really important to be able to convey that you you have those skills and you have those strengths and you can do that. And, yeah. and to definitely want to look at it as it's not just a project management piece, just from a, um, a PMBOK piece, but a, it's a project leadership and really emphasizing the manager. I totally agree with what you're saying there about the management side of it. Yeah, I think one of the things that I used to like doing um, a lot when I'm, well, you know, still still do when I'm talking to people about, you know, particular project management roles is, yeah, we talk a little bit about, about the science. You just, you know, you just need to to get that. It's almost like you just need to get that out of the way so we can focus on the managerial side, which I totally get. Um, I'm totally agree with you, Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the other the other side to it is that I'm, I'm also very interested to know where they're getting their learning from. 
and where they're getting their viewpoints and their insights from. Um, and I and I like to see that um, they're getting it's a kind of pick and mix approach to their kind of development. The one thing I really love about the PMI uh, is a talent triangle about the fact that it does break down the technical as the leadership and as the business management type skills and stuff. And I, and I like to see project managers being widely read or looking outside of their immediate project management discipline to get new ideas and insights from different places that will affect the way that they practice project management. And, um, and it's just nice to have those kind of conversations to, to see how widely read they actually are, you know, and, but it's not a narrow focus that it's all about projects. And I think it's now um, when we – right back to the top of the hour when Joe was saying about, you know, project managers are education-wise, uh, you know, it's very narrow that you, you're working through a, a body of knowledge. But, I, you know, I think now there's a lot more, okay, hybrid, I'm going to pick a mix, so I've got – you know, here's my traditional waterfall delivery type stuff that I want to know about. Here's the, the agile, lean type stuff I want to know about. And then we've got, obviously, business strategy, operating model, all that kind of stuff. And then, like, the stuff that you'd said about, you know, psychology, emotional intelligence. We can pick and mix from all over the place. And it's um, that's what's really neat about a project manager role today is that you're only bound by how much you're prepared to open your mind to where you can get new learning from because I think it, you really take it on board. And I love some of the things I like listening to at the moment are things like uh, what some of the Agile community are doing, not so much about the tech side, but about the you know how they're managing the teams. And I think regardless of whether you're a project manager working in that space or in Waterfall, I think you absolutely can take some of the learnings that are coming out, especially things like... Um, how to manage a retrospective, how to get people to talk in an open forum, you know, that kind of thing will always be precious learning, I think. And, um, you know, I think that's what's really great about project management is that we do have lots of pots to dip into to help us get better at the, the practice and the, the, the art of doing the job. So you had brought up, Lindsay, about the books and how widely read they are outside of PMI. And project management, to your point, is a collection of disciplines, right? All brought into execution on a project. But when we interview these candidates, oftentimes uh, they're nervous because they're being interviewed, they're being evaluated. What are some of the tips and tricks we can give folks of what to avoid, right? And we mentioned a little bit about what they could do that would be demonstrating well in an interview. What do they avoid? What, what should they steer clear of? Say that, say that again for me. So I heard an example would be uh, back when I was hiring a lot of project managers in the corporate world, um, I would often ask a question, can you give me an example of a project that failed and what did you learn from that? And as soon as a project manager would say, well, I've never had a project that failed. <laughs> I, I, really? I knew that I would not hire that person, right? Because yeah. everybody who hasn't had a project that failed. Um, yeah. And if you didn't learn something from that, well, then you're not advancing your career. So I would say something to avoid is be honest, right? Tell, I mean, make sure that you do is don't lie. Don't make or fabricate stories about stuff that didn't happen. 
Uh, what are some other things to avoid doing for candidates in an interview? Oh, to avoid doing. Well, there's the, there's the outrageous, first of all, and then I'll come back and be sensible. But we once had somebody that turned up for a client interview and um, proceeded to answer the question, one of the questions, by juggling. Juggling. juggling wow. Yeah, about plate spinning, being able to multitask, all this kind of stuff. And you just think, do you know, there's, there's gimmicks yeah. <laughs> as far as gimmicks go. Needless to say, we didn't get the job. But um, <laughs> I think there's this stuff like that, obviously. And it doesn't happen very often. It's probably happened about three times in the entire career that I've had around um, getting people ready for their interviews and, and, and stuff like that. I think one of the... Um, one of the problems that we have a lot of the time in a, a project management um, interview is that it can feel very constrained in that, um, you know, that the questions that are being asked are very much, you know, that all, uh, corporate organisations have a, you know, we must interview it in this way because we then need to be able to come make comparisons between, you know, the applicants that have, that have been in. And I think one of the, 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 the classics of getting prepared for these things is I've always said to people that you should have your a number of stories ready because one of the um, the problems if you are in a situation like an interview and sometimes you know nerves do get to people project managers included is that you are forever stuck on the same project story but just trying to use that story again to answer another question. And it feels like you're a bit of a one-trick pony. So what I get people to do before they go into an interview is to actually really think about some stories that they've got from different projects that demonstrate lots of different types of competencies, lots of different kinds of behaviours. So, for example, Joe, when you were saying, you asked people a question about, you know, when did you last experience um, failure on a project? With that kind of question, you can bring out a particular competency that you would like to really push home. So, for example, in that failure type um, question, you really want to get across that you're brilliant around stakeholder management and, and engaging with people. That's the time to put in that story that you've been thinking about and crafted. You know, this is the thing. It's about being organized and knowing, you know, I've got about five stories that I need to get across here. And you can always get those stories in regardless of the question because each story has a different, um, a few different kinds of um, competencies that you're wanting to demonstrate. And, um, and I think that is the, the thing is to make sure you leave that interview thinking you've given enough breadth and depth of your career um, and, you know, not get caught into the you know, I've just been talking about my last project and actually I've got a whole portfolio of stuff here, but it's demonstrating lots of different sides to me and what I can do and what I can bring to the table. So, you know, sometimes I find with um, with project management interviews as well is that you, you can make the mistake in thinking that the person that's going to be interviewing you knows about projects and project management uh, and um, I don't know what it's like in the US, but here in the UK, you get that quite a lot. You've got first interviews tend to be, you know, like a, an HR, human resources kind of interview. Mm -hmm. And it's, again, it's about being able to flex how you're talking and what you're talking about to the audience. And I'm sure, you you know, you've had interviews in the past and you've got a panel interview. Oh, yeah. 
and just you're just talking to one person because that person is 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 you know you know that person's got a job title which you know and understand and therefore they understand you but tend to dismiss the other people on the panel because you think, well, you know, I, I don't know what you, your HR, I don't know what you're doing here on this thing. You know what I mean? So you're, you're tending to talk to the person that you feel you've got the most um, synergies with, before with, and ignoring the other people. We've had, we've had, you know, interview feedbacks like that where, you know, project management candidates have done exactly that. And, um, you know, what does that say about, you know, being able to, to manage a room, you know, which you're going to be doing every day of your life, I would have thought, as a project manager. Well, let's, so, uh, let's yeah. shift it a little bit and because we've been talking a lot about the project manager and resumes and interviews, et cetera. But there's a person who leads the PMO, right? And that's a, that's a pure manager of managers. So, Michael, yes. having been in this spot before, you've been interviewed, and I'm sure you've interviewed others. How does that differentiate from the project manager process of resumes and, and interviewing the actual PMO leader role to be able to get in and uh, go through that. Are you asking like, for example, when I'm hiring or when I'm actually interviewing for right. a PMO leader yeah. position, right? So for the ones that I've, I've interviewed for, it's about showing how can I lead an overall organization and how can I really drive value for that organization? Usually the PMOs are starting for a, a purpose. Um, so finding out what that purpose is and then showing how can I actually add value and meet that purpose. So from there, it's still, we don't tell that story and looking at it, it's, it's to be really effective. It's not just managing now a scope schedule and budget for a given project or even as a, as a program. And that was probably my first learning when I, I started my first PMO. I had some very tough learnings there um, because I looked at it with a perspective of, all right, I've managed big programs before. I'll just think of this as a mega program. Um, and I lost sight of the fact that, no, it's not, it's more than that, right? You have organizational impact. You have, uh, you're impacting strategy. And there's so many other things that you need to think about. So in the interview process for that, you have to be able to expand on that to show how you are very strategic and how you can actually go beyond just the tactical day-to-day. But how do you lead the uh, team and a vision and stakeholders to actually meet a certain strategy? And I think the key is differentiating yourself that you're not a project manager any longer. Absolutely. Right? I, I Hey, I've, my first PMO, I've talked on this show many times, right? The first PMO I ever ran, I failed miserably, right? I did because I treated it like a project. Yes. Um, and it took that learning experience to be able to understand that, hey, the PMO is an organization. It's not a project. And you have people and you have to manage those people and evaluate those people. I would imagine, Lindsay, the same thing for you in the UK. The, yeah. the PMO leader process is much different than the project manager process. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you know, I do see, like you say, it's, it's about a business function that you're um, you're hiring for. But um, what I'd throw into the pot here is that when you're um, recruiting around a PMO lead type role, is that there's two different, two different types. And it depends on whether that organization is trying to put in place a PMO for the very first time or you know, it's been a while since there's been one, let's say, um, or they're recruiting for somebody to take on an existing PMO. So something that's in the business and they're just trying to recruit somebody to, you know, to replace somebody that's left, that's left that organisation because that drives the interview very differently, um, you know, and and obviously 
what we tend to find is that when it's the new type of PMO, is that you're often going into that interview and it almost becomes a kind of consultancy type conversation because the organisation at that stage wants a PMO but are not quite sure what type, what it's going to do, what its remit is, all of that kind of stuff. But they know they need to get somebody in to kickstart that process. So how can that interview for that particular post not take on a consultative approach? Because that, that the person that's going for that job quite naturally is going to be asking just as many questions about organisation as they're getting back, you know, um, because nobody in their right mind would take a PMO position if they for a new PMO, if they didn't at least have an understanding of, well, where's the drivers for this coming from? What's the business really needing? What's the problem they're trying to solve? You know, all those questions that a good old consultant will will ask, you know. And um, it's a very different interview process from somebody say, you know, we're, we're looking for somebody just to come in and take over the PMO that's been running for five years. We probably want to talk to you a little bit more about, you know, how – um, you know, your people management side, we probably want to talk to you about how you approach continuous improvement and refreshing PMO services. And you know what I mean? So it's a different kind of process as well. Not only different from obviously interviewing project management, but it's also there's a different process for interviewing PMOs, leaders, depending on what the situation is. Yeah. Yeah, so I think a couple of key takeaways from this discussion, of course, would be be prepared. Don't go in with just one story, right? Have multiple stories that you're prepared with. Be aware of the situation and understand the job you're applying for, not just the title, but the actual job in that company in that situation. Um, And then certainly understand how to be able to interact and build relationships with people during the interview process. And And I love the fact also, Lindsay, you talked about the books and being... Uh, knowledgeable outside your core science part of that, the art of it, which makes me think of volunteering and work within the community and within the project management space. And Michael, you've done that with VPMMA. What drew your interest to VPMMA to make you want to volunteer and participate in what they're doing? Yeah, actually, it ties in really well with what we've been talking about, just because as a, a PMO manager, Got a lot of resumes, hiring a lot of several PMs. And every now and then I get a candidate that's clearly military, clearly a veteran, um, get really fired up. And I can see that there's something there. And unfortunately, I can see that the resume just isn't as competitive as the way it's written. Right? It's just not as competitive as some of the others. Um, and then in the interview process, also something there, but again, not as competitive. Um, for example, I'd, I'd get them to, I'd try to get them to talk about their leadership style and what they really brought to the table and how they solve certain problems or, you know, what they, what they really drove. And, and in my panel, uh, I get the same feedback that it was close, but just not quite there. And what was mind boggling is when I find out why, because a lot of times what they're hearing is they're hearing the question of, I need to put myself above the team. Right? And that goes against everything that they believe in. It goes against their value system. And the irony of that one is that that's actually what I want. I want that team player. I want that, that driver. And so if they just had some coaching you know, on some, some corporate ease, if you will, to be able to say, you know, if, they had, if they had answered the question, hey, my, value, my, uh, my leadership style, I'm a servant leader. Here's how I can actually build the team up. And here's how I, I achieve even better results by building that team. 
well, we'd be having a different conversation in that panel, right? If they just had that coaching. And so that's really what drove me to, to VPMMA is to be able to provide that, that insight and just help that, that transition from um, some veterans that are going from military into a, a professional. They want to go into a professional project management. They maybe just need a little coaching and some advice on just how to market themselves and how to actually say it's, it's okay to position yourself um, as an individual, but you're leading a team and it's a really powerful powerful um, view that you have there. So being able to drive that um, and also I've had some military family going through some transitions and, and just being able to connect that to project management, which I just love and have a major passion for. It's a great fit for me. And I think it also shows a well-rounded uh, person, right? Somebody that's not just about themselves, right? They're willing to assist others and want to help others and willing to donate or volunteer their time to help others. And again, Lindsay, I would imagine in the UK, similar, right? Folks that show community is as important as their own personal career uh, helps somebody stand out through the candidate process. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, totally. I mean, one of the things that we also advocate for people that are perhaps at the senior end of the, um, of the project management career ladder um, is to be thinking about how you, uh, you give back, you know, it's as simple as that. And sometimes it's not immediately obvious how you can do that. But again, you know, like you say, it doesn't have to ne- naturally be within the project management community, but it's thinking about where your particular skills and leadership skills can be utilised elsewhere. It, you know, it it happens, but it's, it's, it's not as, it's not, an, it's not an obvious thing that many people do, to be fair. Maybe you have a better culture for that. Do you find it's a, a thing that you guys do a lot more of, getting involved in outside work interests that, that kind of pay it back into your, your jobs? Is this a is it a thing that you see a lot of project managers doing in the States? I don't go so far as saying a lot, but I think it's maybe part of the next generation that is mm-hmm. looking to have more uh, balance between their career and what they're doing personally. I, I know I had mentored one young junior Actually, they weren't even yet a project manager, but they were an account manager, uh, worked with project managers and knew that was a career they wanted to get into, but they always had feedback of, you don't have any experience, how do I get it? No, yes. And and I uh, asked them what they did uh, volunteer-wise, and they actually volunteered for an organization that uh, worked with hospitals and helped them with events. So I said, are you planning any of those events for your organization with the hospital? And I said, well, of course I am. I'm, that's my role. I said, well, then you're a project manager, right? So yeah. even in your volunteer activities where you're working on events, where you're working with other organizations, step up and volunteer and then speak about those and understand that that work is a project. So you may not have the title project manager, but you may be managing projects. And again, you may not be formally trained at this point. So I think here in the States, we get more of that, but it, I don't think we've tipped the edge to say that we're doing a, a lot of volunteering. I think it's company by company that, that has more of that. Yeah, I think companies definitely promote that. I see a lot of passion and desire, but unfortunately, sometimes it's 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 on the things to do and it just doesn't quite always get there. Yeah, um, and yeah. It and it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? But the other, the other, just picking up on what you were talking there, Joe, about people that are, um, that are picking up experiences the project uh, way of working is very different from getting into a, a job where it's 
what I have always classed as formal project management, and the and the gap can be massive. So even though I've been, you know, doing kind of like events led type project management, and I'm using I'm not using the hard science of the kind of PMP way. I'm using what is informal project management slash common sense with a few templates and you know what I mean? It's it's the gap yeah. then to say, can I interview for an organization that actually is looking for somebody that has got out and out hardcore? I want somebody who's gonna come in and, and be able to throw a plan together on a gant and you know what I mean? It, it's yeah. the gap is massive. Sometimes. Yeah. It's, and those are just the uh, how do you put your foot in the door? How do you be able to talk to the other example I gave that individual was start attending some of their team meetings and just listen and just participate. You're not going to be able to be able to talk about the projects you led, but listen to the terminology they're listening, that they're speaking. Ask if you can meet with some of those project managers offline, get mentoring from them. Uh, and then ask if there are some projects maybe that you could be a coordinator on and maybe you could assist during some of the meetings and some of the activities so that you're not the lead project manager, but you're building experience through participation at a uh, point where you're not going to negatively impact the project, of course, uh, but at least it's getting you access into the projects as they're taking place in your company. We need to have another radio show, you know, about Uh, getting into project management because I have got a stack of different ideas about how people are going about doing this right now. And what has been really interesting is the change in landscape of project management and that, you know, that things uh, like Agile coming along to different kind of project management, still project management, but it's got a different flavour. We've got people that are doing projects in their organisation today that have never even heard of PMI, never even know that there's actually a, an approach that they can be using to help them do their jobs better. We've got people that have been working in, in you know, environments like banking for years that actually I've just got a, I've just literally been given a, an opportunity to get involved in a project and you know what, now I'm hooked. I don't want to go back to doing my day job. They are uh, not to, you know, and students coming out of colleges, kids, you know, that are thinking about, project management as a career even now like back in in school you know like a a high school like age there's so many different paths that people can be taking right now Uh, and I always wondered you know that PMI report that came out about I don't know probably about five six years ago and it said something like by 2025 there's going to be something like three million more jobs or 25 million more jobs whatever it was it was a massive figure and I said, I thought at the time, I'd be, no way. But actually, we're seeing it right now. And the difference is, is that there's a there's formal project management going on, which is you know what we what us guys have been doing for years. And then there's this whole other world where it's not as formal. And you know what? They're still delivering products and services. That's and the, uh, the accidental project manager, right? It's the role, and and that's the credit to PMI and their rebranding of the project economy, right? The world we live in today is really being driven by projects. And then there's, if if you split work into two buckets, there's projects and there's operations. You talk about, we need to do another radio show. You're right, because we're out of time, unfortunately. I can't believe how quick this hour went. So maybe we get you back uh, later in the year to explore some of these other topics. Lindsay and Michael, thank you so much. 
and listeners for putting up with my voice, but thank you so much for being guests on the show. I think some really good insights for our listeners on resumes and, of course, the interview process and the career of project management in general. Lindsay, anything other that you'd like to add to the discussion or how can our listeners get in touch with you after the show if they like what they heard and want to stay in touch with you? Yeah, well, like I said, we're all over the place now. Social media, uh, I'm there on LinkedIn. Um, just stick into Google, PMO Flashball, you'll find us. Um, and yeah, just, you know, join up, come along for the ride. And uh, yeah, thanks very much, Joe. Great to Great radio show. Thank you. You're welcome. And if you're back in the States, the last flash mob didn't go too well in San Francisco, but let me know. Maybe we can work together to to get another go at it here in the States. Uh, Mike, take you up on that. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> All right. And Michael, same for you. Yeah, I, you can reach me anytime at um, LinkedIn. So michaeldonnelly.pgmp. Also, I would uh, suggest also going to the vpmma.org. VPP, um, to look at the um, golf site and um, I'm sorry, the golf tournament. Uh, highly recommend that. Like to see you out coming out there for April, um, April 19th. And just enjoy being here. Thank you so much, Joe. Yeah, you're welcome. So thank you to our listeners. Of course, without listeners, we don't have a show. And your feedback, actually the topic of uh, careers and resumes and interviews, we received a lot of input from listeners that those were items they wanted to hear from. So keep that feedback coming and we'll bring on the guests to talk about those topics. A reminder also that our shows, uh, while we are live, we do record them and be sure to subscribe to Project Management Office Hours podcast on uh, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, Spreaker, whatever your podcast platform of choice is. Of course, thank you to our sponsor, the PMO Squad. Uh, visit thepmosquad.com. Uh, we just had a new website released that uh, gives a listing for all of our services and, and what we're doing with the community and making an impact in the project management space. So that's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm PMO Joe, and you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours. Mm-hmm.